Welcome everybody to episode 128 of The Startup Show. Today I'm here at the Caramba Security Headquarters in Hodasharon in Israel and I'm talking to David Brazilai, the chairman and co-founder, and we talk about autonomous driving, we talk about hacking, but also about how to hire the right people for your startup. Make sure to stay tuned. Welcome to episode 128 of the Startup Show. Today we're here back in Israel in Hodashon, and I'm very excited to speak to the chairman and co-founder of Caramba Security. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I'm very excited about uh, your startup case. It's really an exciting case, but let's first get an understanding who you are. So I'm David Barzilai. I'm uh, the executive chairman of uh, Caramba Security. It is the uh, third company that I have co-founded. Yeah. In essence, my uh, career is a mixture of a startup entrepreneur as well as a go-to-market executive with more established companies with uh, my most uh, the last position before Caramba when I was a VP marketing with a company that we grew business from $260 million to $500 million. Mm-hmm. And with Caramba, I'm an executive chairman as well as running the go-to-market. I mean, like, you know, like there's a very big difference between working for an established company versus a startup. What excites you about being like in this entrepreneurship uh, atmosphere? The impact and uh, change that you make. I mean, the thing is that with a startup, everything is questionable with the fundamental question why to have another company. There are so many <laughs> companies in the world and just the question of why starting another one is always quite important that you must answer in a very clear-cut way in a most objective way because uh, entrepreneurs are optimistic. But uh, and here at Caramba, my role is more to be the voice of the customer. Yeah. The founding team, we spent uh, almost a year on our own dime trying to understand the market, the need, was there a need for Caramba or not? And if so, what is the a differentiated value proposition that will enable us to create the impact mm-hmm. within the market? And only after we checked all those boxes, after, after we validated the need was high, that uh, there is a room to address that other companies didn't before Caramba, that kind of like where you have all stars aligned to start embarking on that path and getting investors' money, approaching uh, customers, hiring employees, and making the impact that you want to do, desire to make right. on that market. Cool. Okay, so we mentioned Caramba like 50 times already. Uh, my audience still doesn't know exactly what, what we're talking about. Maybe give us you know a short pitch about Caramba. Sure. So Caramba is a cybersecurity company for automotive. Uh, what uh, makes us different than most of other companies is that uh, that address the same problem. First of all, what is the problem? Maybe yes. I'll start with that, <laughs> <Sure>. right? <laughs> so uh, the vehicles are becoming more and more connected and eventually also autonomous. And unfortunately, there is a pattern. The more when you have devices or any kind of systems that are becoming connected, then they usually become targets for hackers. And the problem with vehicles is that unlike data center where the most severe consequence of attack, of cyber attack, is loss of data, with vehicles it could be loss of lives. Not only that, but also the scale of attack is enormous. Just to give you an example, there was a known attack on one of the car manufacturers in the US, only one attack. One security bug was exploited, but it resulted with a recall of 1.4 million cars, meaning that 
more than one million cars were exposed to the same problems. And if one problem and if hackers decided to exploit that attack, they could affect so many uh, lives and collateral damage. So that's about the problem. Mm -hmm. Now, with regards to Caramba, the difference between Caramba to any other or most of the cybersecurity companies that try to address that problem is that we didn't look at the car as a mini data center on wheels, i.e. we didn't try to uh, adopt data center cybersecurity solutions into the car. And, and the reason, by the way, is that because we're dealing with lives, with lives and loss and potential loss of lives, then uh, quite common phenomena of uh, data center cybersecurity methodologies, which is false alerts. I mean, those technologies are based on statistics and heuristics, and uh, statistics is not always right. And sometimes you have statistical mistakes that result with false alerts. False alerts in the data center are a matter of inconvenience. But with the vehicle, due to false alerts, if uh, a legitimate command is mistakenly considered to be malicious and then prevented, then or blocked, then it means that airbags may not open, brakes may not engage, which is very unpleasant consequence. Mm -hmm. So what makes Caramba different is that we looked at, the, at that industry not as a data center problem or a mini data center on wheels, but we looked at the car as an array of Internet of Things devices that are all connected. And the difference is that with IoT, the device is not user-changeable, meaning if you lock it, if you freeze the configuration of that device, and you ensure that it runs only according to factory settings, in essence, you are able to prevent hackers that try to change those factory mm -hmm. settings, and you do it with it in a deterministic way, not statistical way. If I didn't see you in factory, I'm going to block you. Right. And that means that we were the first to come up with a solution that enables prevention with zero force alerts. And that message got the, the market's attention quite fast and in a very impactful way. So within two years after launching the company, we're working already with uh, 17 different car manufacturers and mm -hmm. tier one providers in that industry. We were recognized twice in a row, one year after another, as the best cybersecurity product for the automotive industry. We were uh, recognized by Gartner as a cool vendor for IoT cybersecurity yeah. because we're doing things different in a way that is adequate to the market, addresses customer needs, but also didn't think about that as a kind of like in a traditional way, but more as vehicle architectures are designed. Sure. I mean, like you have a very deep insight into like what's going on in the autonomous driving um, sector or like industry. What, what do you see like it's holding us back from, you know, getting there that actually the cars are driving by itself? Trust. Trust. So it's always trust. People are worried that, like... It's, first of all, it's, it's, we haven't even gotten to the point of people are worried. Vendors in that market are very cautious. They understand the liability and accountability for people's lives. Mm -hmm. And as such, before they roll out new technologies to the field, they want to be quite certain that they do not create some risks mm -hmm. or life-threatening risks. Mm -hmm. So first of all, they need to trust the technology. <laughs> and then they need to make sure that consumers trust the technology. Yeah. So it's a compounding effect of trust from vendor and then to consumer that eventually will enable the rollout of mass autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at like, at, I don't know, like the cybersecurity world as, as one of the key things, for example, the strength of Israel, also where do you see, let's say, differences when you look at cybersecurity, for example, all the software and tech that we had till now, 
and in comparison to autonomous driving. So unfortunately, uh, these are very different environments. Yeah. And look at it that most of the cybersecurity in the world, not just in Israel, try to address the problem of enterprise cybersecurity, some consumer with antivirus, and mobile, which is kind of like a variant of enterprise because mm -hmm. uh, mobiles are either a consumer, but it's more uh, interesting problem from enterprise point of view yeah. because there's more at stake. All those environments are user changeable. Mm -hmm. So they are very dynamic. Think about it that when we unbox two servers or two mobile phones, within a week, they behave differently. Mm -hmm. Because the IT administrator within the data center or the consumer for the mobile phone just do many things different that they want to do in order to customize and to personalize those devices yeah. according to their own rights or merits or needs. So that means that suddenly what you have is a very dynamic environment that you cannot predict its behavior. And as such, cybersecurity for data center and in Israel with all of the uh, innovations there is trying to predict and trying to profile in the most efficient way those uh, stochastically changing environments. Autonomous driving, IoT in general, but driving as a, as a forefront of IoT is a different domain. That domain means that the, it's based on devices that are not user-changeable. Think about it that if we look at vehicles that are from the same manufacturing or series, after a year, they should perform the same. And after 10 years, they should perform the same. Yeah. That means that, in essence, actually, we have a great opportunity here. So it's, it requires different expertise. But the opportunity from cyber point of view is much, much higher in order to harden it in a way that would not allow malicious factors to try to change those devices by exploiting security vulnerabilities. Sure. I mean, you briefly mentioned before that like a co-founder spent like one year on like trying to figure out like what is this product that the market actually wants. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit, especially um, for the investors out there, how you actually put that, you know, into action. How did you figure out that like this is a, an actual need? There's always the challenge that uh, as, uh, as a startup, especially it's in infancy stages, you don't have too much resources nor uh, exposure to the market. And yeah. we made sure, we tried to do the best we could to overcome those challenges. Yeah. We were not automotive you know, uh, experts. We didn't know very basic yeah. terms that were quite new to us. Uh, but we must have learned as fast as we could while adjusting what we do and trying to fine tune what we're doing. How do we do that? You must get out of uh, you know, the lab, you must get out of your comfort and get to talk to as many individuals that you can, whether in Israel or overseas, and run by them your hypothesis and try to get them telling you where you're wrong. Mm -hmm. The main thing is to know that you're wrong. You're always wrong. You're always <laughs> and 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 that's really that's when Nirvana starts approaching you because there's no Nirvana ever. But the point, <laughs> the point is that uh, you need to get this feedback to understand how far you are from learning the actual pain. There's always a pain, but the question is: it a an emotional pain or intellectual pain? How high is it on the scale of those customers? And if it's not high enough, forget it. Move to a different business. Right. It's just a waste of time. So uh, what we did was to start by getting uh, people as part of our ecosystem, running it by them and asking them to introduce us to other people. And we got another thing that played to our benefit, we were not aware of, was that Israel is becoming more and more of a center of autotech. Mm -hmm. And that means that uh, the car manufacturers are placing scouts here. 
and they introduce us to the relevant product executives within the car manufacturers. Mm -hmm. You have cybersecurity teams of some of the car manufacturers here, and we ask them as well. And we, and we asked for meetings there. We spent our own time to go to you know, meet uh, with those security teams and product architects of the tier one and the car manufacturers in person, mm -hmm. tell them our thoughts of the problem and the solution. Now, while we did that, we continued to develop. Mm -hmm. So it was important to create a prototype, to film it with an iPhone and yeah. show it to them, how we hack a car and how we prevent. And now we look at it and we uh, kept on laughing at us how naive we were, <laughs> yeah, sure. but it was still it close works. enough yeah. to get them enticed and tell us that they want to engage and they want to uh, get be part of that process. The thing was to break this barrier of uh, being foreign to the field, being in Israel, which is far from the actual market, right. and get in front of the customers in person, get their feedback, indirect feedback, so we can judge by the body language that they're just, not just nice to us, sure. you know, and all that, but get to the pain. Right. When we got to the pain, which was false alerts, we honed right. in on it. So, you know, you just mentioned you gave me the perfect segue about Israel. Um, how, how is it for you as a small company um, from Israel to go abroad, like let's say the States, and how, how, how are the reactions people here? Um, yeah, from there's high respect to Israel. Again, I'm representing the customers, I'm always cynical, yes. you know. Uh, and I'm always trying to uh, check it. Is it just to get some the, the gist of good ideas and then I'll do it myself, you know? Uh, could they really rely on Israeli companies and so on? Although we are mostly in Israel, but we are not considering, we do not consider ourselves to be an Israeli company. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, we Israeli by, by, we incorporated in Israel. It yeah. was even something that we debated at the beginning. We said even for Zionist purposes, <laughs> we want the company to be Israeli. Yeah. It's part of the Israeli economy, part of the Israeli GDP. And I wanted to make sure that it's part of that. It's part of our own ideology. It's very important for us to be at least, you know, for each of the uh, executive team to be at least a week to two weeks per month of us who live in Israel to be yeah. out of Israel right. by the actual customers right. in order to bridge those uh, right. you know gaps. Ask the customers not to give us any kind of benefits, not because of size, we're not, and not because of being remote. The thing which is important to us is to get from them the most, let's call it, objective KPIs for them. Yep qualify it with them and quantify it with them, is it really important to you? I mean, forget where I am, it really doesn't matter. Is it really important for you? And if so, then we are driving or flying out or, or moving resources to support them on site. One last thing about, let's say, um, the Israeli ecosystem here. What do you think, uh, when you look at the local level, um, how it is going on here, um, the startup ecosystem, is it like working for your benefit or you're not really taking usage of the local of the local ecosystem. The beautiful thing is to see how it has matured. Mm -hmm. You see so many entrepreneurs that uh, did uh, a good amount of time working, relocating out of Israel and gaining uh, some kind of more international experience. But it's not just entrepreneurs, it's not just uh, all the employees. You see it also with the uh, service providers. One of the things that has happened to us without intentionally planning it is that all of our service providers, from the accountants, um, going through the IP lawyers, uh, going to the uh, actual corporate lawyers, 
uh, and so on, they've all spent years out of their career outside of Israel getting this international, let's call it, um, principles of doing business. Yeah. Okay. So that's about the non-autotech. The other thing that happened is that because Israel created some cachet of uh, innovation in mm -hmm. so many fields, and because the automotive industry is now so thirsty for innovation, uh, given that they are facing uh, competition coming from the technology companies mm -hmm. like Google doing now Waymo as an autonomous driving vehicle, Uber is moving for autonomous driving and right. so on, then they must innovate much faster than they used to. Sure. And with that, Israel is attracting lots of attention as well as resources of those uh, companies that are placing them here. So suddenly, the ecosystem of service providers, employees, but also your customers are here. Mm -hmm. And that makes things much more easier and much more complete right. when you go to market. What would you like to see in the next five years in your ecosystem? Autonomous driving becoming mainstream. What traits do you look for when you hire someone? Integrity, all for one and one for all, and overachievement. How do you check overachievement? Easy. Easy? Very easy. How? I cannot say all of my secrets, but uh, <laughs> it starts with the resume. You look for uh, the actual achievements stated in the resume. And then in the interview itself, it's not just about it. It's not, it's not about personality. It's not at all. I mean, personality is important because eventually you want to work with those individuals. You're asking them the quite quantifiable questions about certain points in their career where you suspect they have overachieved. Mm -hmm. And if they have overachieved, that's great. You know, just a matter of give them the opportunity and they will overachieve. You, you see this kind of, of, uh, of restlessness within an individual. And then the question, could I, could I tunnel that restlessness within the individual mm -hmm. to overachieve here as well? Right. Okay, cool. Do you have a story of how you turned failure into a learning experience? Wow, yes. One like inspiring moment. And it's not inspiring. It's uh, something I'm upset with myself. <laughs> um, the idea is that with my second startup, I was very fortunate. Uh, the first did, did great, was great. And the second became, came too fast. Investors came and said, hey, there's this great market going, hey, read those Gartner reports and these analyst reports. It's just going to explosive growth. Here's a, a great entrepreneur, a technical entrepreneur with a great idea, and here's five million to start. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was uh, kind of like said, why not? That's great. The market looks great. I know the entrepreneur. I, and uh, the investors were great. And so it's all good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good because that market never arrived. The market has never, never materialized, never. And uh, all companies that were attracted to this uh, potential growth of that market all died. All of them died. Just a matter of when <laughs> due to how much money they raised. Yes. One of them raised uh, $80 million, wow. so it took it 10 years to die. My lesson from it, and that, that was a trauma. I still, I'm still embarrassed, you know, when I think about it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the idea was that the lesson for me was uh, to uh, qualify it very thoroughly, qualify the need. As a, I mean, it didn't just come by itself. Yes, you know, it came because of that failure. To qualify the pain, to customer pain, to realize it's real, 
to uh, extrapolate, talk to several, not, not too many, you don't need to get into analysis paralysis, but it's relatively easy to abstract. So when you talk with uh, a few customers and you realize that they have a similar pain, it shouldn't be identical, but quite similar, and it's high on their priority list, then you have a market. Then you just need to do the numbers. Then you do some homework. How many of them are they? Total available market calculations, stuff like that, to see it's really worth it. But, but the point is that there's nothing but customer, and in that it's sure. customer pain. What's important to you in an investor? Passion. Ability to uh, roll up their sleeves and work and being humble. We were very, we still are very fortunate to have those kind of investors. They're very different. They're very different from each other. And we also take pride. I believe most of our investors, for them, it's the first investment in Israel. Oh, wow. Because they're different, then you need to work with them somewhat differently. But it's it, because we all share the same values because they are humble and because they are willing to help. And you need to, now as an entrepreneur, you cannot just rely on that, that they will help. No, you no, need to sure. cooperate and to ask for help yeah. and to direct them for their strengths, area of strengths, where you need the, this kind of help. The last part of my videos is always where you can leave like your legacy to the future. Legacy. Um, where you can give us like one uh, little sentence of advice for future entrepreneurs. I don't know where you feel you're an expert, but maybe you give us like one line of, of advice what you would give um, to the people watching out there. Entrepreneurs must be very optimistic. If you're not an optimistic, you don't start the company. <laughs> And you need to make sure that the optimism does not become your enemy because uh, you want also to prove yourself that you are right. So you're looking for reasons and for, uh, and for some of the uh, good phenomena and good results of what you did to justify the, the journey that you embarked on. But then you need to, all the time, take a step backwards and ask yourself very difficult questions. Is it real? Am I really onto the right customer need? Am I, what, what, could, what could kill me tomorrow? We are very paranoid. It's not easy to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> But you need to uh, ask yourself all the time, what would kill me tomorrow, and address it. My lesson with the three startups, and in startup, it's much easier to see it. In, in large companies, it takes time until you see the consequences and the domino effect. Sure. But in startups, the domino effect is clear. So the point is that when you see, a war when you up to a worrying signal, any worrying signal, take a step back, Get your team, I mean, first of all, analyze to yourself, is it really, could it kill me tomorrow? Could it kill me, kill me if worse comes to worse? Mm -hmm. And if so, then you must get to a, an emergency status and get to, with your executive team, share your concern, make them share your concern as well and overcome it. But even if it requires a pivot, if it requires yes. some help uh, and so on. Very good. David, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much, everybody who tuned in today. I'll see you in the next one. Have a great day.